I call the book American Psychosis. You have tens of millions of Americans who believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Right. They've produced no evidence. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy, and today's guest is not only a friend of mine, but he is a fabulous author and commentator. You know him from Fox and CNN and MSNBC. David Korn is an American political journalist and author. He is the Washington, D.C. bureau chief for Mother Jones uh, magazine and is best known as a cable television commentator specifically right now for MSNBC. Now, I know him from his summer book events on Cape Cod and for being an audience member at many of my shows. Well, he has got a new, fasten your seatbelt, ladies and gentlemen, a new blockbuster book out, American Psychosis, a historical investigation of how the Republican Party went crazy. The book chronicles the long and deep relationship between the GOP and far-right fanaticism and shows how the Republican Party, for over 70 years, has exploited and encouraged extremism, bigotry, paranoia, conspiracy theories, and tribalism. It didn't start with Donald Trump. Did you hear that, folks? It did not start with Donald Trump, and what happened on January 6th was not an aberration, but the culmination. Please welcome to the show, the one and only, drum roll please, Mr. David Korn. Hello, David. Hey, Jimmy. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you, David. I just love the reviews of the book. I'm going to get to them in a second. But it's so great that you've come out with this work, and it's going to be, it's perfectly timed. But the interesting thing that I was reading is you started this book uh, when? It was a little over a year ago. Okay. Um, you know, I had gone, you know, I, I was interested in the relationship between the Republican Party and far-right extremism, how they've encouraged and exploited it for for years, not before Trump. And I went looking for a book. I said, someone must have, have written about this. And I found that no one had. I found good histories of the Republican Party in a very traditional way. I, I found good political histories of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. But I didn't see anyone who really took a close-up look and scrutinize how the GOP since World War II has again and again and again courted, you know, far-right elements and done this sort of very ugly dance. And the more I sort of looked into this, the more I saw there was just a real obvious pattern here. Now, we see it clearly with Donald Trump, but if we go back to McCarthyism in the 50s, or we look at... Um, Barry Goldwater using the John Birch Society to help run his campaign in 1964. Uh, Richard Nixon in 1968 cutting a deal with white supremacists to get the nomination at the Republican convention. You see Ronald Reagan cutting a deal with the religious right in the 1980s and embracing them when they literally were calling, the members of the moral majority were calling for the execution of homosexual Americans. I know it's hard to believe. But they were saying this at that time, you know, Ronald Reagan was saying the moral majority is a great outfit. And you have both Bushes uh, working with the Christian coalition. You have the Tea Party in, uh, in, 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 the, in the 2009, 2010, all leading up to Donald Trump. That for all this time period, the Republican Party, there's been this dark side to it that the party doesn't acknowledge and that the media and others have not covered fully that this was a an integral part 
of the Republican Party. I'm not saying it was all that it was. Richard Nixon created the EPA. He went to China. Ronald Reagan had a whole ideological component, cutting government, cutting taxes, creating a deficit. You know, it's not the, the totality of the Republican Party and its strategy, but it's always, always, always has been there. And it took Donald Trump to put this out in the open, to take this, this, this dark history and say, this is really what I am, because he had no legislation. He had no ideas for policy. He didn't want to have a real debate over anything. He ran for president as a guy who wanted to throw red meat to the most extremist elements. He endorsed conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones when he was running for president. One instance, there was a rally in which somebody shouted out, get rid of all the Muslims. And he said, we're looking into that. (laughs) I mean, no holds bar, you know, didn't talk about policy matters. Um, So it's always been there. And that was the point of the book. And I Uh spent a year reading 200 or so other books, going into archives, looking at thousands of newspaper and magazine articles. And I was able to pull together this pattern. David, do you think that the the base then, the base was always there in the country, I think is what you're saying. And then the leaders of the GOP, in order to win elections, would attach themselves to that base and say whatever they needed to say to get elected. I mean, is that basically the the playbook? Well, yes and no. I mean, they in some instances, they did it very explicitly. You go back to Joe McCarthy in the early 50s, who said there was a plot in the U.S. government led by members of the Truman administration, by real people, to destroy America so that it would fall into the hands of the Soviet Union. He said there were elites out there who want to destroy this country. He didn't say what they were doing was wrong. He didn't say their in policy that their legislation was ill-advised, that they, you know, that he disagreed with them about taxation, housing, energy policy. He said they were actively plotting to destroy the country. And there were millions of Americans who believed him because yeah. there was a lot of paranoia and unease and fear with the rise of the Cold War and nuclear terror. In other eras, you've had Republicans sort of reach out to extremists without being as explicit and try and still come across as responsible statesmen. Do you think that they're, they're just trying to win elections and they'll say what they have to say to, to get the support of these folks? Or do you think some of them actually believe it? Do you think some of these people actually believe that there were forces trying to overthrow the government to give it to the Soviet Union? Well, that's a good question. Do you think Marge, you know, today that Lauren Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene believe what they believe? I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene was basically a QAnoner before she got elected to Congress, as was Lauren Bobert. Do they believe this stuff? I think to some degree they do. Does Mitch McConnell believe this stuff? Of course not. He doesn't believe that Donald Trump won the election. He doesn't believe the deep state is in uh, uh, persecuting Donald Trump, but he has not, you know, stood uh, stood against that because right. the party needs these people. You look at the Tea Party. What was the essence of the Tea Party in two thousand nine? The, their core argument. And I went to the rallies. I spoke to people. They really believed that Barack Obama was a secret socialist Muslim who had a secret plan to destroy the country by wrecking the economy so he could impose a totalitarian dictatorship. They mm-hmm. believe this. 
Now, what happened was Glenn Beck was on TV on Fox every night saying this, and the Republican Party, John Boehner, Sarah Palin, and others, went on his show as guests, and they end up validating him. And they're sent signaling to the base, you can believe this guy. I'm on the show here. You can trust him. What he says is valuable. So did Boehner believe that? Of course not. John Boehner didn't believe that, but he wanted to become speaker. Mm -hmm. So he rode that tiger. Uh, did Sarah Palin believe it? Maybe she did. But the bottom line here is that, that Republicans either cynically or not so cynically have encouraged and exploited this extremism, this far-right extremism and often kookiness for over 70 years, and gradually it kind of radicalized the Republican base. The Republican base, you know, in 2009 is much more radical than it was in 2000. You know, the more the Republicans played to this, the more red meat they threw, the more red meat the base wanted. So when Sarah Palin is out there in 2008 on the McCain ticket saying that Obama uh, pals around with terrorists and is, a, you know, and is a socialist and a threat to America, well, in 2009, the same people who she energized with that, with, with, with that nonsense now want more. Yeah. And then in 2016, Trump comes along and says, I got what you want. Yeah. So the Republicans have been uh, normalizing this for decades, and, it's got, and, and the base has gotten more and more radicalized, and it led the way and made it very easy for Trump to come in in 2016 and blow away 15 mainstream Republicans. So you're thinking that the base, many of the base are convinced that of these theories, they believe it as gospel, literally, but the most of the leadership doesn't believe it, but they go along with it. They encourage it for political gain, for uh, ultimate power. Is that yeah. basically your, your premise here? Yeah, I don't know if it's most of the leadership or not most of the leadership, but what they believe or they don't believe. I call the book American Psychosis. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's a political psychosis. You literally, you know, just to stick to the here and now, yeah. although the book is history, but stick to the here, here and now, you have tens of millions of Americans who believe the election was stolen by, from Donald Trump. Right. They've produced no evidence. There's no basis for this. Any evidence that, that Rudy Giuliani cited has been debunked. And in mm -hmm. fact, Rusty Bowers, who was the speaker of the Arizona State Legislature, you know, testified to the January 6th committee, and he's a rock-ribbed conservative, that Rudy Giuliani told him they had no evidence. It was right. all theories. And so these people believe this. They believe the deep state nonsense. A lot of them believe QAnon. There was a poll. God, I'm going to get the number wrong, Jimmy. It's in the book, and I wrote about it you know, a couple months ago. There was a poll that showed, I don't know, was it 30 40% of Republicans believe that the Democrats are running some global cabal with a ring of pedophiles and sex traffickers, basically um, QAnon. So I don't know what to say about people who, you know, believe things that are not true. That is one clinical definition of psychosis. Right. So it's yeah. out there, and there are, I think, some Republicans who share it, and other Republicans who say, this is good for business. Mm -hmm. Well, listen to some of these reviews, because you got some reviews from the progressive community, at least one writer, Jane Mayer from The New Yorker, the author of Dark Money, the great book Dark Money. 
about American politics. David Korn's American Psychosis is essential reading for anyone hoping to restore political sanity in America. He argues convincingly that a toxic brew of bigotry, conspiracy theaters, and lies that define Trumpism started long before Trump. Korn weaves this investigative history together in a compelling narrative that's equal parts horrifying and entertaining. Did you hear that, folks? It's entertaining. And I know David Korn, and he is entertaining. It is a tr- tribute to Korn that with the publication of American Psychosis, he has managed to make a brilliant, did you hear that, folks? A brilliant sense of American senselessness. That's pretty good. That's Jane Mayer. But then on the other end of the spectrum, on the conservative side of the, of the aisle, you have Norm Ornstein, emeritus scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, and he writes, the genesis from a conventional party to a fanatic cult did not start with Donald Trump. The roots go much deeper and much further back. David Korn, with rich detail and in compelling prose, ladies and gentlemen, gives us a full history of the journey to crazy. Whether you have read a lot about the Republican Party or are just beginning to examine how the country could have come to this deeply dangerous point, American Psychosis is a must-read. Now, those are pretty strong reviews, David, from two opposite ends of the spectrum. However, the readers or the reviewers are honest. (laughs) They're honest people. They don't have a dog in the fight. They're honest people assessing the situation, and this is what they've come up with. And I know, as you said earlier, this is not to demonize or paint all Republicans with this brush. This is about focusing on the part of the party that is off the hook, and they believe that the election was stolen, and they believe that Obama was a Muslim, and that his birth certificate was a fake. That's what they believe. And I put the blame at the leadership. I mean, the people on the air, the people on talk radio, the people who are who are pumping this, the Alex Joneses of the world, or if you see, not all talk radio, of course, and not all, you know, Fox, uh, or not all media. But I, I think you're right, Jimmy. I mean, I mean, one, 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 one part of the book that I get into is the whole Rush Limbaugh-ization of mm-hmm. the Republican Party. And, you know, when he comes in in 88, which happens to be about the time that Newt Gingrich, you know, comes into, uh, you know, the Republican Party in the House, you know, you see this trend towards exploiting hatred and and paranoia and indeed conspiracy theories um, and demonizing, you know, the the Democrats. I mean, that's a thing, you know, and, and that's a pattern that goes back to McCarthyism. It's not that the Democrats are wrong and that liberals are wrong. It's that they are you know, actively plotting to destroy the country. That's what McCarthy said. That's what Limbaugh said. That's what Newt Gingrich said. That's what Sarah Palin said. It's what the Tea Party said. It's what Trump says today. It's what he said through the 2020 campaign that Joe Biden was working to bring about far left fascism. That's what he, now they get upset when he uses the F word. That's yeah. what Donald Trump said in, during the 2020 campaign. So yeah. uh, they've been de, you know, dehumanizing and demonizing the Democrats for decades now. And it's, you know, created a terrible, political situation for us. Right. David, we only have a few minutes left, but I want to say, what are your hopes for the book in terms of the impact it has on the American people? And number two, 
How do you think we, uh, you know, what, what what would you like the people to do? What would you like us to do with the midterms coming yeah. up, with 2024 yeah. coming up? What are your what are your suggestions? Well, I hope that millions of people buy it so I could buy a house <laughs> in Wellfleet and hang out with you in the summertime. Okay. But um, After they yeah. see this interview, David, the bookstores are going to be stormed. You think January 6th, the attack on the Capitol <laughs> yeah. was a, a riot? Wait till people hear this interview. They yeah. will be storming the Harvard bookstore. They will be yeah. storming the bookstores <laughs> of America. Well, I hope to sell a lot in Cambridge. The book, to me, is far more timely than I expected it to be when I started out. You know, we look at the, what you know, Biden's speech recent and the whole debate about the hold that MAGA extremism has on the Republican Party and whether Trump is leading the party towards fascism. I think that if, you know, what, what the book does is put this current debate, which is, I think, a critical debate, in a really important historical context. You can see that Trump didn't create this. He didn't invent this, that this is, uh, as you noted earlier, it's a culmination. Been de- these, these forces have been at play in American politics, and the Republican Party has been playing with them and exploiting them and, and being cynical about them for decades. And I think once you realize that, you see the, the extent of the problem, and you realize you can't just flip a switch and go back to a previous era or previous Republican Party that really never existed that we've gotten to a point where the party is broke and it's not really fixable. And so if that's the, if that, if you understand that, what do you do? I think you need to isolate and contain that part of the population. I'm not physically, but you need to segregate it politically um, and figure out how to work around the 20, 30% of the public that are part of the MAGA extremists. So I, I really hope that the book and conversations that, that, that are being have, had now gets, you know, encourage people who haven't paid a lot of attention to this threat to pay attention and realize that there is a majority of Americans who are opposed to this creeping authoritarianism and that if we band together, we can keep the threat at bay. If we don't, you know, then there'd be a lot of problems. And obviously this, you know, has a bunch to do with the midterms and, and, but, but beyond that, but just right. understanding the problem and seeing where it fits in our history, I think, is one of the first steps we need to take. Right. David, well said. Congratulations on the book. We cannot, we can't just agonize. We got to organize. We got to vote. Yeah. We got to donate. We got to knock on doors. We got to make phone calls. We got to get involved. That's what we got to do. January 6th was a horrible day, but the day before was January 5th. And that's when. The Democratic Party, through the work of Stacey Abrams and everybody down there on the ground in Georgia, elected the first Jewish-American senator from Georgia and first African-American senator from Georgia. And that was a major upset. And that was due to hard work, shoe leather, voting, calling, uh, donating, just doing the hard work of retail politics. Uh, We just can't be despondent. Your book is going to be an inspiration and hopefully light a fire under some people and get out there and just take back the country, man. Take it back from the crazies. David, thank you so much for being here. What's your website? If people want to, can they order it directly from your website? They can, they can go to amazon.com or bookshop.com, which is for independent bookstores. Um, if you go to my, my Twitter feed, David Corn DC, there's a link there on, on, on how to order the book. Um, you also could sign up for my newsletter. Dave, at a free trial subscription to my newsletter, which is called Our Land, comes out once or twice a week. And you can get that at davidcorn.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O-R-N.com. 
And believe me, I promote the book in my newsletter. <laughs> I'll bet. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Continue success, David. And thanks for squeezing us in. And it's great to see you. It's always great to see you and your family on the Cape. And I hope to see you in person soon, hopefully at a bookstore. Are you going to be doing any any um, live events in Boston? Not sure yet. That that schedule is in the works right now. I'm focused okay. on just doing lots of media appearances, okay. including lots of podcasts. Okay, man. Thanks a million. And thanks again for being here today. Congratulations. David Cohen, everybody. American Psychosis. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at jimmytingle.com. Thank you.